just being real, um, we're good with that, right? Anybody freaked out right now? Because I just about threw up on this floor. You, some of you guys would have thought that was cool. Some of you girls, ooh, that's what Miss Childress made him for breakfast. It'd have been all over. Y'all know Spanish? Mira. Disgusto. Anyway, but for real, let me, let me be real with you. Um, when you ask to do a weekend surrounded by making God your strength, there's a very real enemy that will make you terrified. And y'all can go home and tell your parents what I'm fixing to say, and I'm okay with it, and you parents can think it's a wrong way of saying it, but I'm a grown-ass man. And I still sometimes cower like a baby. And there's points in my mind, and I think this is where the Lord wants us to go this morning, that I feel so in control, and I've prepared so eloquently the, the text And then I still stood back there almost paralyzed in fear of what might happen. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, you ate eggs, so that could possibly be causing some gaseous, which is going to come out one way or the other. (laughs) Luckily for you, it hasn't yet, but it could. Potentially drink some water, you'll feel better. Um, It could just be allergies. And it could be. But what I want us to do this morning is come to a place where we begin to change the defaults in our minds. And like I said last night, how do we do that? What does it look like? If I were to ask you guys this morning, can someone share some scripture with me on what it would mean to change your mind? What would you say? Anybody? Adults? Younger? It's okay? Romans 12. Okay, the whole chapter? 1 and 2. Okay, specifically verse 2. Right? Cover your ears. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, so you know that, Okay. How many of you know Romans 12 too? Raise your hand. Look, this ain't Bible drill. You're not getting a star, but raise your hand if you know it. Okay. To those of you who don't, I want you to know it. I want you to learn it. Here's what I want you to see is what Paul tells the church at Corinth in his second letter. Do we have it? Okay, let's, let's, do we have uh, the 2 Corinthians text? Yes, okay. Some of your Bibles may read differently. Let's go and go ahead and go to verse um, verse 5. No, let's go back. Let's go back. For though, listen, and it's all going to tie together, okay? For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of the divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. If you got a highlighter, if you got a pen, underline this verse, verse 5, this part. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is a constant struggle for me. Take every thought <coughs> captive. What does that look like for you? Guys, what does that look like for you to take every thought captive? Girls, what does it look like for you to take every thought captive? It means taking everything that comes into this pea brain of yours and mine. Some of y'all's brains may have more wrinkles than others, and that's okay. 
and that you say to that thought as you take it captive, who do you belong to? Who is your leader? Where are you from? So being honest, I'm standing back there feeling like I'm going to throw up. I know there's a trash can. I know Dusty will laugh, stop singing, and laugh at me. And I'm thinking, man, you're, you're sick. You're away from your family. You could die today. Chances are really good. That could happen. Okay? Just as much for you as me. Okay? Don't freak out. All right? Okay? My mom, and we'll talk about this more tonight, she was diagnosed with cancer last February. Okay? Passed away in November. Short amount of time for me. Um, and, and really, ideally, not what I had in mind. And, but when you, when you get close to death, there's things you've got to get in order. You've got to put things in order to take care of your family, to take care of your um, estate, your house, and trinkets and things. And my mom just really couldn't get into that. And she was like, I was like, Mom, you've got to do your will. You've got to like, get it in order. She's like, why, do you think I'm going to die? I was like, well, yeah, eventually. We're all going to die eventually. Okay? And y'all are like, oh, that's so dark. Can we watch Powderpuff Girls or something? Y'all into that or? No, okay. Anyway, but what I want you to think about here is that the reality is is that those thoughts can be crippling as I'm standing back there just like, I don't even know half of these people. Dusty and Dylan don't like driving minivans. I don't know how I'm going to get home. And just fearful and the whole time just thinking, this thought doesn't belong to you. Just thinking this, this idea doesn't belong to you. And, and I know that there's some of you who've shared the idea that, man, you know what? It hurts so bad, I don't even think I want to live anymore. Can I just be honest and tell you that thought doesn't belong to you? I mean, some of you, really, and I know you get sick of hearing this, and I'll say it till I die. Girls especially, guys, we're tough, so it's not so much, but we do it too. You look in the mirror and you go, I'm just not good enough. I don't have the right physique. I don't have the right face. I don't have the beauty mark. I don't look like her or guys. I don't run fast like him. Can I just tell you, those thoughts do not belong to you. That when God the Father told the psalmist, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that applies to you too. Don't ever come at me and say, well, that was okay for the Bible times, but for now, I have acne. I'm obese. Dude, really? They tell me my, my eight-year-old's obese. I'm like, well, stand still and let him punch you, and we'll see how obese he is. <laughs> I just want you guys to know that you and I, where you're sitting today, you take thoughts into your head that do not belong to you, and they wreck shop. So what do we do? Do we cower? Do we just sit there and go, well, I don't know how to control it. I don't know what I'm going to do. If, if I were to say to this dude, Dude, George, Stephen, you could help me here. Leighton, I would have never got that one. If I were to say to you, Leighton, you have a flesh-eating disease right here on your wrist, would you just sit there and go, I hope it goes away? Flesh-eating means it's going to not stop till it's done. You, what would you want to do, Leighton? You look smart. Get help. Amen. Right? Right. Like, was that the right answer? <laughs> yeah. Get treated for it. <clears throat> what can I do about it? You can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> Some of you have towed this line of Christianity, and you know you're saved. You know you're a Christian. Yet for whatever reason, understanding the forgiveness of Jesus that was purchased at the cross, you continue to walk this line, dead set on running right smack into a freight train. And here's the deal. If I'm walking along here, and you guys obviously see a train coming, and I don't see it, what would you do to me? What would you say? Move. Stop. Squirrel. Right? How come, though, when it comes to sin and seeing each other in sin, and you know when your friends are into stuff, right? You know when your youth group's off. I mean, when you meet with these same people week after week, you know when something's not right. Yet, 
you don't feel like it's your place to say anything about it. So many times we see each other walking this toe, this line. We understand forgiveness and we understand, we say, you know what, that's them and Jesus. That's between them and Jesus. I just want you guys to know, I don't know many of you well. Some of you more than others. But if I see you walking out and about to get hit by a train, I'll do whatever I have to to stop you from doing it. I'm 320 pounds, and I will straight jack you up and tackle you to the ground. And it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me, right? Like your parents when they would spank you back in the day. Balo! Come here, it hurt me more than it hurts you. Come here. (laughs) No, it didn't. (laughs) But it would hurt. But you know what would happen? You wouldn't get hit by the train. Chances are pretty good you'd turn around and walk in the other direction. That's what it's about. Your generation, the generation before you, my generation, wore out the stick of forgiveness when it came to Jesus and never touched repentance. That's what I'm talking about. Walk this line. But when it's time to repent, you have to stop. Okay, I wasn't in the military, but it's a military term. And when you're walking in formation, when you're marching and you hear the word repent, you stop about face and walk the other direction. You're like, what does that have to do with changing our mind? If you don't learn to take thoughts captive and you don't learn to change your mind, you will get hit by a train of destruction. There's a real thief that comes and his only purpose in all of creation and all of time is to steal, kill, and destroy And if the verse stopped right there, I wouldn't be here today. I guarantee you I wouldn't come at you with a message of hope or it's going to be okay or there's good things to come. My message for you would be take what you can and hide your family. But my message to you is because the verse doesn't stop there, the second part says, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I came so that you could have life, life more abundantly. And that word abundantly, and I don't know Greek, okay? I use the internet. But that word abundantly means, listen to me, better than you ever thought possible. Students, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus wants you to have a life better than you ever thought possible? And you're sitting there today, and some of you are like, I believe it. I just, I'm not feeling it. Is anyone getting seasick yet? Because i got to move around. Good? Do you believe, adults, are you believing it? Do you, are you living your dream? My wife asked me the other day, like, uh, it was like probably three years ago. But it was the other day. Silas, what's your dream? And I was like, I don't know. I want to own a house. My whole life. My whole life growing up, we rented a house. My mom worked her tail off, and we rented a house. I want to own a house. I don't want to live in somebody else's house anymore. What, what else, Silas? What else do you want to do? And God just began to give me things. I, like, I want to help people. I want to, I want to take the, the dookie of my life and use it for good and help other people. I like to think, man, I'm living the dream. I don't have a Bentley. I don't have a Rolex. Right? My wife and I were fixing to buy a four-bedroom house in Lubbock, Texas. The taxes cost more than the rent. You'll learn about that at some point. But can I just tell you that if I lived in fear, we'll talk about more of this tonight, after watching my dad die, after watching my family die, after almost dying myself, if I just went like, I'm screwed. (laughs) I don't have any shot at this. I wouldn't be living a dream. I'd be living a nightmare. And some of you are living a nightmare. So what do you do to get out of it? Romans 12, 2. You you transform your mind. No longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You're doing it this weekend. You're doing it this weekend. How else do you renew your mind? This is interactive. 
66 books, maps, a table of contents. What is it? The Bible. You renew your mind by getting in the Word. Some of you are like, man, I got a youth pastor. Man, I got two new youth associates last night. I got a preacher. I got my parents. That's their gig. No, it's not. No, it's not. If I were to come before you and say, here's a buffet, you have whatever you want, would you go, no, that's my parents, that's them, that's their deal? No, you need to eat for yourself, and don't ever tell me you're too immature or you're not going to get it. Because there's an active, living Holy Spirit. And, and God himself said that the Bible, the Word of God, is living and active, not passive, not going, well, um, if, if they potentially read some, I might share a little bit. No, it's living and active, and it's going to cut you straight down and separate some things out. But you renew your mind by the word. Well, how else do you renew your mind? Through prayer. Through really just speaking to God. And you're like, well, I talked to him, but he doesn't talk back to me. Probably because you're not in his word. It's hard to understand the language if you're not learning it. I went to Africa a few years ago. I picked up some Kiswahili, but... I haven't said any in so long. I took six semesters of Spanish in college. I can eat and go to the bathroom. Donde es el baño? Tenga mucha hambre. Vato. Okay? But if we don't know the language and we don't speak the language, how could we ever expect to have a conversation? You're like, well, the Bible's in English, and I know English, so you don't know the language. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? (laughs) How beautiful would it be, you ask people, do we have any, like, anybody who didn't grow up in the United States? Okay, where'd you grow up? What's your native tongue? German? German? Would it be cool for someone to talk to you in German? Would you get it? Maybe? Yeah? I can imagine if I were in Germany for an extended period of time, I would just love to speak English. Even like some Ebonics or slang that I might have picked up along the way. It's so much more beautiful to speak. And I hear the African people say this, the Maasai people say, we don't have a translation in our mother tongue. You do. You have a translation in your mother tongue. English has been written down. You can speak it to God. And you can just come before God and say, look, I know that I'm afraid right now. But you commanded me not to be afraid. That you're with me always. God, I know that my thoughts are jacked up right now. But you commanded me to take them captive. God, I know that I have some things in my head that are of this world. But you told me to no longer be conformed to those. But to be transformed like a butterfly. I feel like I'm that butterfly on a bug's life. I got little wings and a big body. You can be whatever kind of butterfly you want. I don't. Y'all can be butterfly kisses or whatever you got, but that's what the word means to be transformed. I I want you to know that some of you, y'all are hiding in that cocoon. You're okay with being in the cocoon. It's time to spread those wings and fly for real. Don't jump off the church, but for real. Spread those wings and fly. How many of you feel like, you're like, yeah, Sauce, I get you. I want to speak. I want to renew my mind. But I still sin. And I, for some reason, I, I want to stop, but I can't stop. I know when I'm doing something that I shouldn't do and thinking something that I shouldn't say and saying something that I shouldn't say. I just don't know how to stop it. I don't know what to do. It's almost like it overpowers me. Anybody? Yeah, okay, five of us. The rest of you are Jesus. (laughs) Here's the deal. Do you want to know that one of the great, the greatest apostle of all time had the same struggle? The dude who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul, had the same issue? Check it out. Romans chapter 7, if you have your Bible, verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody resonate with that? I do what I hate. 
But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Students, I want you to be encouraged and not keep doing wrong stuff. But I want you to understand that by knowing it's wrong, you agree with the law. And I'm not talking about a moralistic type of theology where I know it's wrong, therefore it's wrong. I will do what is right. No, do what is right because it's glorifying to God. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Now, don't ever, 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 ever go before God with your sin and say, my sin made me do it. Kyle, my five-year-old, you'll meet him tonight probably, is like, Kyle, why did you dump toothpaste in the sink? I I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. I watched you do it, Kyle, but I didn't do it. (laughs) No, listen, it's cute, but it's real. Okay? I want you to understand, at five years old, he doesn't know why he's doing it, but he's doing it. I guarantee you this, I never taught my kids how to lie to me I never brought him up with, Leighton, come here, I want to teach you a cool trick, how to lie. I didn't say, Jacob, come here. If you ever want to get out of trouble, lie. You ever want to impress a girl, lie. Some of you dudes are good at it. Some of you girls buy it, so I don't know where that line goes. But we get, this, this, this is me. Every day this is me. And it's you too if you're going to be honest with yourself. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Do y'all ever feel that way? I want to be right, Jesus. I want to be right. I want to be right, but I keep doing wrong. It's pretty depressing, right? It's like, well, so what are you here for? Sit Sit tight. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Listen, understand this. You're a Christian, right? Those of you who have been saved, we talked about it last night, been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you're a a Christian. I want you to understand that you had a sin nature first. Not because I said so, because Adam ate the apple. You can point at Eve, oh, she did it first. Well, God never commanded it of her. He commanded it of the man first. Okay? Ladies, you can't push your sin on your husbands either. That's not part of it. Okay? But Adam first. Inside of that, because God who is so rich in mercy grafted in his spirit into the same body. So now you have two conflicting parts in one thing. Any of you ever tried to mix water and oil? It doesn't work. And if the oil's hot somebody's going to get hurt. You ever tried to put Texas A&M fans and Longhorn fans in the same small room? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So you and I, as humans, as flesh, as Christians too, have two parts that don't work together. How in the world are we supposed to make this work right? This is what Paul says. Listen to me. Middle school boys, if you're dozing off, follow me. Girls, you good? Everybody good? All right. Follow my nose. I don't know. It was a cartoon or something. (laughs) He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul says, I will, because I have the power to do it, because I'm the man. Amen? Why not? It's not what the text says. 
Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. I want you guys to understand that Paul was from a town called Tarsus. And in Tarsus, just like in the United States, there were penalties for crimes. And so what would happen for murderers, okay, there was no electric chair. They could be crucified possibly, but not most of the time. What would happen, say, if I were to kill Aaron? Would never do that. Not and live to tell about it. But here's what would happen. Aaron and I, Aaron's Listen, I want you to hear me. Aaron's dead body would be tied to me. I would still be alive. He would be dead. He would be tied to me. Now, most of you aren't familiar with this because when you go to the funeral, the body's been embalmed, like they took all the parts out. And Anyway, and it's just there. But beginning after that, flesh begins to break down and decompose. So what's going to happen is the decomposing body that is the dead person begins to eat away at the living. And here's the deal. Back in the day, they didn't let you, oh, you need a place to stay? You're tied to a dead body. Use our guest room. No, you were outside. Wild animals don't care if it's alive or if it's dead. Birds don't care if it's alive or if it's dead. And so the imagery here Paul wants you to understand is I want you guys to see this too for me and for you is that I'm tied to dead Silas. I I was dead before I knew Jesus and I was tied to dead Silas. And I've been dragging that carcass around my whole life and I drag it before you today and tell you who will deliver me from this body of death. Thank God it's in Jesus Christ. Is that... I don't know about you, but I'm ready to play. That's good news. Students, you can't just say, well, sin made me do it. I'm a slave to sin. There's no excuse. No, there is no excuse anymore. Why? Because I'm telling you. I mean, when you were kids and you did things that were awful, your parents were like, why did you do that? I didn't know any better. You're right, you didn't. Okay, you get a slide here. You get a pass. But next time, I'm spanking that butt. Or send you to your room or whatever you're into. <laughs> Look, you're not without excuse anymore. Understand, like you've heard the gospel, I know, this weekend. You're not going to be able to stand before God ever at any point and say, I didn't know. Paul says, now that grace has increased, does that mean that we should go on sinning? No, certainly not. Heck no, you shouldn't go on sinning. You should take it. You should control it. You should take it captive. How do you take it captive? By the power of Jesus Christ. By doing what he told us to do in the Gospels and die to yourself daily. When he said take up your cross, it wasn't a cute thing that you could walk up George Bush Turnpike with a cross and say, look at me. I'm a Christian. No, it was to say, Silas is dying to self today because Silas can't live for Jesus unless he does that. Every single day. Every morning of every day, you're like, dude, I'm 12. Really, I want to play Halo and Madden. Keep playing games, man, and and eventually it's going to say game over. There is no reset button. You take up your cross and die to yourself, and in the power that is Christ Jesus, in his strength, he will give you. And look, if we're being honest, if you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he's already given you. Every tool you need to live a life of godliness. It's time to tap in. It's time to know what that means. It's time to get our heads right. It's time to get our minds right. I'm going to run out of time. But y'all still love me. How do we do this? What does it look like? Galatians 5. If we go there, let's just go there. Read through it real quick. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. 
when you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are clear. Hello, America. Hello, Carrollton. Hello, First United Methodist Church, Carrollton, Aldersgate, where I go to church. This is us to a point if we follow the lust of our flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I just want you to go by with a pen and check off everything that you've done in that list. Now, not really. No. Is he for real? No. But I want you to take inventory. But, I love that word. I love it in Scripture. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I want you to understand that that word fruit, what's the tense of that word? Fruit. Is it plural or singular? Fruit. It's singular, right? But then we go through this discourse. But the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Y'all know that one? Yeah. Yeah. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Uh, Students, I want you to understand that without the Holy Spirit in me, I can't love my wife. I can't love my kids. I can dang sure not love you. I can buy my happiness. If, if pizza makes me happy, I can buy it. If going to see the next big movie makes me happy, I can buy it. But I can't buy joy. Apart from the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't know what joy is. If you're sitting there today and you're like, I'm just depressed a lot, so I, I just don't know what to do with myself. Can I just tell you that there's some daddy issues there? Issues with your heavenly father? The spirit, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's sin in your life or just hardship in your life, it's not connecting. So you don't have that joy. You're like, but you don't know my life. Look, you don't know mine. You better take an Alka-Seltzer before tonight because you're going to get it. Joy. We can't, I can't buy that. I can't even produce it for you if I wanted to. Peace. My life would be a wreck without the spirit. Patience, and I'm pretty impatient as it is. Could you imagine me without Jesus? Be like a rhinoceros. Already kind of am. Kindness, good. All of these things could not be produced without the Spirit, without transforming my mind, without understanding the goodness of the Spirit. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Real quick, Hebrews 12, 2, 12 1 and 2, we'll finish up. Therefore, and, and you got to go, if you want to, go read Hebrews 11, and it talks about a great cloud of witnesses, 11, chapter 11 of Hebrews, and these men and women are saints. And I want you guys to know, that I have people in my cloud of witnesses that aren't necessarily in the Bible. I, I, my grandmother, my mother, are in that great cloud of witnesses for me. There, there's, there's been win, men and women who've invested in me who aren't in that cloud anymore, or who aren't here anymore, but they're in that cloud of witnesses. So it says, since we have, are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, not just a puffy rain cloud, a huge cloud, that covers the sky of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Students, I want you to think right now, what's slowing you down? What are you carrying in your life right now, even after last night in your small group times that you didn't unload, are you carrying right now that's slowing you down? Because I want you to know that not only is there a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you, but there's college students and adults who came this weekend to help you strip those things off, metaphorically speaking. To help you come alongside you, for you to go to them and say, look, I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with that, or this really hurts, and it keeps hurting. They're going to come alongside you and say, you know what? This is where we're going tonight. Can I help you with that? Can I strip that from you, and we'll start over? 
and see what God can do with that story? Do, I mean, I'm, tonight, I don't want to get ahead. I got 15 minutes. But tonight is, is going to be good. It's good right now, I hope. It's good for me. Verse 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I love that word, champion. Right? One of my football seasons, I went 0-10. Didn't win a game. Varsity football player, varsity athlete. We went 0-10. Right? Everybody knows what that means, right? In the world's eyes, we were losers. I love the word champion. I was a power lifter. Okay? I tried to put ungodly amounts of weight on my back and stand up with it. Or start it out on the ground and pull it up. Okay? My junior year, I was number one in the region where I lived, going into the regional powerlifting meet. I pulled a muscle in my back before that week. And I fought through it, and it hurt. I, I hurt like I never hurt before. And they're like, you could permanently hurt yourself. I was like, no, me tough. I tough win. Oh. <laughs> I was so stupid. <laughs> or dumb, if stupid's a bad word at your house. I was so dumb. <laughs> Ignorant, okay? But I remember my last deadlift, I fought, and I fought, and I fought, and it's like 500 pounds, and I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling. I stand up with it. Lots go on. Yes, I'm going to state. I'm the champion. I'm the regional champion. The guy behind me saw me pull my weight and upped his. 500 was all I had that day. He steps up to the platform, does 15 more pounds than me, pulls it, pulls it, pulls it, pulls it, pulls it, pulls it, stands up. I went from being the champion to being third place to not going to state. My whole four months of my life were dedicated to that. Just getting there. To say that I was devastated would be an accurate statement. The beauty of what happened that summer is that Jesus saved my heart. He saved my life. He changed my mindset and my perspective. So the next year, I go through football. We didn't have a great football season, but I had a pretty good year for myself. Okay? Powerlifting comes. Um, in the back of my head, you know what I'm hearing in the back of my head? You're a loser. I got third in the region, the biggest region in the state. And in the back of my mind, I'm hearing, you're a loser. And I can remember one of my buddies telling me so perfectly, you know, Silas, if you're not enjoying it, quit doing it. I said, that's right. So I go to my first meet, do my weight, squat, bench, deadlift. Meet record, first place. Well, you only get to do three meets a year. Second meet, I go, do my weight, first place. Meet record. It means I set the record for that meet. Third time, go, pull the weight, guess. First place. Right, builds my ego, come on, keep saying it. It was 15 years ago. But. So here I am. Number one in the region, going back to the same place. That whole week before practice, I'm not really doing much. I'm like, I'm just taking it easy, coach. I remember what happened last year. I don't want to go back there. I don't think, emotionally, I can't handle it. He's like, well, Silas, if it's not worth it, just quit. He's like, no, it's worth it. I just want to win there. He's like, if you don't win here, you can't win there. So I, I went at it. I go, to the, I go to the regional meet, and the last lift of the day, it's me and that dude that beat me before. I've beat him every meet, every week. Every time we've been in the same gym, I've blown him out of the water. And it wasn't him. It was just me, really. So I step up to the platform, saw his plea, 275-pound class, attempting meet record for region one, 1,515 pounds. That's the total. But I have to pull, deadlift, 625 pounds off the floor to my waist and stand up after I've already been lifting all day. But don't worry, I have baked potatoes, spaghetti for lunch, carb loaded. I'm ready to go. So I stand up and I remember I'm pulling and I look, I see my mom, she's standing up, my team's standing up. I'm going to cry. 
and I pull and pull and pull and pull, and I stand up and I pull, and they say, get down, down. I go down, and you, get, you have to get three white lights. Two white lights, come on. I'll, excuse me. You got to get two of the three to qualify for the lift. One white comes on. The other two don't come on. A red one comes on. Another red one comes on. And I'm thinking, I just got two red lights. I just pulled the best lift of my life, and I got two red lights. And the judges were like, we were just excited. We hit the wrong light. All white lights. (laughs) And so... I'm going nuts. I'm like, yes, redemption. But I want you to know that all of those things, I walked into the state, the state championship. I got fourth place, and I remember getting fourth and going, Mom, I lost. I got fourth. My mom slaps me in the arm. It's like, Silas Polite, you got fourth in the state of Texas. It's like, I did. <laughs> I, you're right, I did. And what, the guy who won tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Even then, we were drug-tested, so I kind of got third, I think. <laughs> I, I, guys, I tell you that story because I want you to know that because of Jesus Christ and nothing else you do in life, you're a champion. I don't care what your football record is, softball, I know y'all do lacrosse down here, Field, hockey, band. I was in the band. What up? Any band nerds in here? Holla. I played the tuba. It kind of fit. I I, I want you to know that in your home, I don't know what's been said to you there, but I want you to know that you're a champion because for no other reason than the fact that Jesus Christ took up the cross and he said game over, match, set, finished from the cross as he cried out his last breath. It is finished. If you go to Greece right now, you'll find that statement on the bottom of a receipt. You know what it means? Paid in full. You owe nothing. Students, I want you to know that I don't care what your head tells you, but there's nothing you can do to add to your salvation. I want you to know that no matter what comes into your head, no matter what things that you say in yourself, okay, I think a lot of times we don't need the enemy to say anything to us because we're good enough on our own. But whatever comes into your mind, if it doesn't match up with what Scripture says, it's a lie. I want you to know that because of Jesus Christ, it's not that you're not good enough, it's that you're great. Because of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that because of Jesus, it's not that you don't look right or that you're not pretty enough. You're beautiful just the way you are because of Jesus Christ. Remove him from the equation and we're ugly people. Students, it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen in a midwinter retreat weekend. But we have to come to a place where we really learn to get our minds right. How many of you have computers? Most of us, okay. On our computers, we have what is referred to as default settings. That means we just turn it on, and whatever the default is, is what it's going to do. Okay, some of your phones, if you don't set the ringer properly, it'll default to the ring. Okay, we just want you to know that because of your sin nature, as long as you're on this earth, and as long as you're breathing here, and you're not in heaven, guess what your default's going to be? Sin. You're like, dang, dude, you just made me good news, and now it's bad news again. I'm not playing anymore. No, I want you to know, man, your default is going to be sin. So do you know how to change your default settings? It's going to take some work. But it's not impossible, because in Christ, all things are possible. In Christ, I can do all things. I love that sound. You know, rain in Scripture is healing. I just, just listen for it. Shh. 
I want you to ask yourself, what does it mean for me to take thoughts captive? What thoughts are in my head right now that I have to take captive? What thoughts do I have in my head right now that are controlling my life? What thoughts do I have in my head am I a slave to? Because if I were to ask you students, who wants to line up right here and be on a chain gang and be a slave? None of you. Not one of you. But the longer you let this thought life that you have run rampant in your life, you will be slave to it until you take it captive and learn to fight against it and to control it. It will control you. No longer walk according to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do no longer gratify the lust of the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Now that we have such a great cloud of witnesses, strip aside all the things that slow us down and run this race that you've been called to run in Christ Jesus. You don't know how to change your defaults? Come holla at me. You don't know what to do, how to change your mind? Find an adult. I guarantee you they've screwed up enough to know how to do it right by now, hopefully. Look, Tonight, we're going to talk real hard about some things. And I know that some of you, you come here and you're like, you don't know my home life. You don't know what I've been through and what's been done to me, and I don't. But I want you to know that I know my home life, and I know what's been done to me, and I know the redemptive story of the cross. So let's pray. I got done nine minutes early. Just real quick, since I have nine minutes, I think. I want you guys to just, in the silence, if you feel like you need to spread out in this room, then do that. If you have something to write on, you can do that. If you need, could we get, I don't know, I should have thought about, I'm not an organizer, okay? I'm I'm guessing, Kyle, you're not either, or maybe you are, but that's where April comes in. And so, it's not suitable for man to be alone, I'll create for him a helper, right? So if, we, if, there's, if you have some paper you could share, we could do that. But, and, and, and really, here's the deal. No, 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 It's okay, it's okay. I just thought, I learned something when I went to Africa. These people would come when it was time to give the offering, and, and some of them don't have anything. And so what they would do is come with an empty hand and open it into the offering and just say, here's what I've got. And so here's what I want us to do. If there, you know right now there's a thought in your head that you have, that's just been controlling you and you haven't been able to control it or get it caught and captive and catch it and hold it, if you aren't being transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's probably because of some scripture issues or just the things you're loving the world more than you love Jesus, if we're being honest. I want you to just take those things. If you can do it from this chair, do it from the chair. If not, spread out in this room. But I just want you to spend some time um, in prayer it's just the silence of this room. I'm not asking the band to come back. I don't want an emotional feeling in you to rise up. I just want it to be real. If you're into it, you are. And if not, just sit there and be quiet. And if you talk, I will punch you. But I just want you to think about what these thoughts are. And I want you to imagine this moat being full of molten hot lava. And I want you to take these thoughts that have controlled you or that are controlling you or that have taken you captive And I want you to come before God and say, no longer will this bind me. No longer will this tie me down. If you feel like writing it down, write it down and throw it in here. We're not going to read it. We're just going to throw it away. Figuratively, literally, throw it away. You do know what God does with your sin, right? He's not recording it. Love doesn't keep a record of wrong. He's not sitting down there and going, you did this, you did this, you thought this, you thought this. He takes your sin when you bring it before him and casts it as far as the east is from the west. And that's what I want you to do this morning to end this session. I want to pray, and then I want you to take these thoughts captive. And and really, for some of you, you're like, in your head, you're like IQ of 258,000. You can do this in your head. Some of you, you really need to do something physical. To get it. That's how you learn, is by doing. Some of you are writers. You just need to write it down. Whatever you have to do, you do it, okay? I'm going to pray, and then you do business with the Lord, okay? All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for...
for, for doing it. I thank you for God just carrying me through it. I thank you for carrying us through it. I thank you for the unified spirit of togetherness in this room. And God, I thank you for the, the collective mindset of wanting to know you more and to make you known. Jesus, I pray that now as students sit and begin to think of what's next and what to do, God, that you would be bringing things to mind, that your spirit would be speaking to their hearts, and that you would intercede, God, where they don't even know they are. Things that they aren't even realizing right now, you would begin to bring to the surface and purge out of them by the power of your spirit. Jesus, that you would be so overflowing in their hearts that the dross would rise to the top and be cut away. Lord, I pray that these students would get real right now, that they would see their sin for what it is and trust you with it and cast it. God, you would cast it as far as the east is from the west. Not so that they can say they had some emotional experience at midwinter, but so that they can say, God showed up, he did his thing, and my life will never be the same again. Jesus, it's because of the cross we can come with confidence. It's because of the price paid for our debt that we can come with boldness. So now as your people, we come with confidence to the throne. We lay our things at your feet. And we just ask that you would do with them as you would. It's in your name we pray. Amen.